0: This morning, I want to talk to you about a specific word, or I want to focus on a specific word, because there are words in the Christian vocabulary, or phrases even sometimes in the Christian vocabulary, that from time to time, we need to be reminded of their true meaning. And this is one of those days where, as the Holy Spirit has led me, I want to talk to you uh, and focus on the word gospel. Say that with me, gospel. The word gospel simply means good news. Now, it's always in connection and using connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we have in our Bibles in the New Testament, we have the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these four Gospels, these four good news, uh, reveal to us Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and, and give us his story and why he is good news for us. And today, I want to talk to you and take a fresh look at what I have called, and the title of this message, uh, the, the, the full gospel of Christ. And the reason why I'm using the word full in there is because there are times in our Christian journey that we don't incorporate some components of the gospel of Jesus Christ and so that's why I've, I've turned this message the, the the full gospel of Christ because if we can be reminded this morning of what that full gospel is what it means for us then Lord willing we can then by the help of the Holy Spirit make sure that it's incorporated in our life so now I'm looking in the gospel, excuse me, not the gospel, the book of Hebrews in chapter 9. I'm reading from a version called the New Living Translation. You see the verses as always come onto the screen. Two verses, verses 27 and 28 to launch us off. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. So also Christ died for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Let's look to the Lord. And Father, in these next few moments, I desperately uh, need the help of the Holy Spirit. God, I want all of us to be able to walk out of this place today and those that are with us online to hear, and not just with our physical ears, but more importantly, with our hearts, with our spirit, to hear what the true meaning of the full gospel of Christ is all about. So I pray for the help of the Holy Spirit so that I would say only what you want me to say. I would say it how you want me to say it, God, and that you would help all of us Give us an ear to hear what your spirit would say to us today, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right, amen. So now, these two verses for me uh, contain three components of the full gospel of Christ that I want to break down this morning. So let me get right into it with the first component, which is everyone is destined to die once, then to face judgment. Notice that's what the writer to to Hebrews said, that everyone is destined to die once. And what that simply reminds us is nobody physically lives forever. Every one of us is going to die. I know that this might sound morbid to you, but you are at some point in time going to die. I am at some point going to die. We are all at some point going to die. This physical body is going to come to an end, and so I want to look at and remind us all in First Corinthians chapter 15, a couple of verses, verse 21 and 22. For those of you who are taking notes, Paul writes, So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone. Who belongs to Christ will be given new life. So notice now, the Paul reminds us here why death comes to all men. I wanted to make sure that I, I take you on this simple journey that that. Uh, encompasses the full gospel of Christ. And it begins with the fact that because of Adam's disobedience in the garden, because he ate of the fruit that God had forbidden him to eat, God had warned him. Remember, God said, in the day you eat of that fruit, you shall surely what? Die. Die. So God gave Adam the warning, death will come as a result of disobedience. So because Adam did that, now... Death entered into humanity because we are all descendants of Adam. We all come through that lineage and we inherited that DNA that as a result of that now, you and I will experience death because, listen, death is always the result of sin. In other words, the Bible tells us that when we are tempted, temptation uh, uh, leads us into sin. And sin, when it is full grown, the Bible says, always gives birth to death. Now, something always dies when we live in disobedience, when we sin. It could be a physical death. That can come as a result of sin or it can become a spiritual death. But death is always the result of sin. And so the Bible says this. Now notice the language is very specific. The writer of the Hebrews says that we're all destined to die once. Everybody say once with me. Once. And then we face judgment. In Revelation chapter 20 from verses 11 through 15, we find this. And I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it, the earth and the sky, fled from his presence. But they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into what? Lake of fire. Listen, the lake of fire is the second what? Death. The second death. And anyone whose name was not recorded in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. So now what is that talking about? Well, John in this revelation recognized that we are all one day going to stand before God and be judged. And there are going to be two types of judgment. There are two types of books. There's books that records Deeds. what you you do while you live here on the earth. And then there is the book of life. Now notice the Bible was very pointed. Everyone stood before Christ. It doesn't matter what your religious affiliation is right now. It doesn't matter how you live your life. It doesn't matter what you believe. In the end, every single one of us is going to stand Before Jesus Christ, who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And now notice that there is this book called the book of life. And if your name is not in the book, you will experience the second death, which is the lake of fire. Or we have an affectionate term for it called hell, where the fire never goes out for all eternity, where there is torment for all eternity. So notice, again, the first death is physical. This human body will give out at some point in time. We will all die once. We cannot escape that first death. We cannot avoid that first one. But the second death, that death is spiritual. That's the death where you get tossed into the lake of fire. That one, you and I would do very well to avoid. And in order to avoid it, your name has to be found in the book of life. So the big question for us to begin with is, how can I ensure that my name is in the book of life. What do I need to do to make sure that when I stand before God and that great book of life is open that the name Carlos Paniagua is found in there. You see? That's where the second component of the full gospel of Christ comes in. This second component is that Christ died to take away sins christ died to take away sins the bible tells us in hebrews uh, chapter 9 and verse 22 that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness the bible declares very clearly that we do not receive forgiveness for our sins because we are affiliated with a specific religion You might consider yourself uh, to be a Christian because you are part of Belmont Assembly of God. I assure you, being part of this church will not make you a Christian, nor will it ensure that your name is written in the book of life. You see, whatever religion you can name on this earth, you will never receive forgiveness of sin based upon your religious affiliation. That was a good place for you to say amen. Amen. Nor will we ever receive forgiveness because we promised God to be good. How many have ever promised God to be good and never do that thing again, only to find out you wind up doing it again? Right? Tears don't impress God. Not when it comes to forgiveness. We don't gain forgiveness through our tears. No blood is required. Why? Because God has declared that the soul that sins, that soul shall die. That is God's declaration that cannot be changed for any one of us. The soul that sins has received the sentence from God and that is death. So when we are born, because we are born sinful, we are all born under the sentence of death, spiritual death, that one day we're all destined when we stand before God to, to be tossed into the lake of fire because none of us is born with our name written in the book of life. Your name isn't written in the book of life because you have Christian parents. Right. So, because we have this destiny, this judgment that's hanging over us, and the Bible said the only way to gain forgiveness of sin, blood has to be spilled. Why? Because To God, the life of the person is found in the blood. So, what the Bible is teaching us is blood has to be spilled in order to obtain forgiveness. God gave us the illustration of that in the Old Testament, where under that covenant, the people had to uh, uh, offer up animals as sacrifice. They had to spill the blood of animals in, in their place and they gained gained forgiveness because of the blood of the animal. But that was just a shadow of what was to come. And that was that the ultimate sacrifice that would buy us forgiveness is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we turn to 1 Peter for that. In 1 Peter chapter 1, let me read verse 18 and 19. The Bible tells us, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I gain forgiveness for our sins. Would you say amen to that? Right, So it's not about you and I trying harder. It's not about you and I wanting to, to be a better person. It's about understanding I have sinned before God, and now the only one that can give me forgiveness, the only way for my sins to be forgiven is through blood being spilled. And rather than my blood being spilled, God loved me so much, he spilled the blood of his only son yes. Amen. to pay the price for my sins. And so the only way. That we can have our name written in the book of life. The only pathway. To having our sins forgiven. And the power of sin to control us broken. Is through the sacrifice. Of Jesus Christ on the cross. Yes. Amen. Embracing. Jesus Christ as our savior. And by embracing. I'm talking about. I'm going to cease trying to gain forgiveness through religion. I'm going to stop trying to gain forgiveness through personal morality. Instead, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to come before God and say, God, thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. I I, I embrace him as my savior today. I surrender my heart, my life to him that he might take control of my life because he and he alone is the one that loved me enough to die for me. So is your name written in the book of life? Have you embraced Christ as your Savior? Because we're talking this morning about the full gospel of Christ. And that first component is everyone is destined to die once, and then we're going to face judgment. We're going to have to stand before God. And the only way we can ensure that our name is written in the book of life It's for that second component that we we recognize Christ died to take away our sins. And here's our third component. Christ will come again. The writer to Hebrews said, not only did Christ die to take away sin, but he said, Christ will come away. And this time, he's not going to come to take away sins. No, he's going to return to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Jesus Christ is going to come again See, that is part of the full gospel of Christ that we need to be reminded of this morning, and that is that Jesus Christ is coming again, and this time he is coming not to sacrifice his life on the cross. He did that once and forever, but this time he's coming to bring salvation to those who are eagerly waiting for him. In the book of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 42, the Bible says uh, this. Listen. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are, are, are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Verse 58. So because of this, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And then I want to jump to First Thess- Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. Let me get to that now. Why is it so quiet in here? Am I the only one awake here or somebody? You can hear a pin drop here. Chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So, encourage each other with these words. So let me put these all together, what is he talking about? When the Lord returns, the Apostle Paul in Corinthians is saying, guys, our bodies are buried into the ground when we die. This body that's full of pain, this body that's full of all kind of weaknesses, it will be buried when we die. But when the Lord returns, when there's the voice of the archangel saying, he's back, the Lord is here, at that moment, all of a sudden now, all the graves are going to open, though we were uh, uh, received this body that's broken this body that's susceptible to sickness and disease this body that is mortal will take on immortality I may have a bad back now but I won't have a bad back then You may have all kind of illnesses. You may have all kind of afflictions. You may have all kind of shortcomings now. I may need to wear glasses now, but I won't need to wear glasses then. I'm going to have some holy LASIK at that point in time. Why? Because all of a sudden, we're going to receive this new body that is immortal. This new body that will live forever. Then the Bible tells us, because we have this hope, because when the Lord returns, we're going to receive this new body. This is our salvation. We're going to receive this new body that's going to be immortal, and then we're going to be with him forever and ever. This is the hope that we are eagerly waiting for. And by, by let me just explain this that term eagerly waiting there in the Hebrew uh, in Hebrews, it means literally in the Greek fully expecting looking forward to so that brings us to a lot of questions are we fully expecting the return of the Lord oh before you say amen hold up a second In other words, are we looking forward to his return? Because, see, eagerly waiting doesn't mean inactivity. Remember, there are two sets of books that are going to be open when you stand before God. One is the book of life, which in order to have your name written in there, you need to make sure that you embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior. The other book records everything you've ever done while you live on the earth. Deeds. So now, since that book is going to be open, it's why the Bible teaches us now that in in 1 Corinthians chapter put 1558 back up onto the screen, guys, so that we can all see that. Listen, always work enthusiastically. Because you know that the Lord is going to come back soon, work enthusiastically for the Lord. Always work enthusiastically. The the phrase uh, working enthusiastically there, work enthusiastically means to exceed in quality and quantity. So in other words, uh, Paul is saying, because you have this incredible hope of the the Lord's return, and because you are waiting uh, for him expectantly, because you know he's coming back, while you are on this earth, make sure that you are always giving yourself over to doing the work of the Lord, making sure that you are ever increasing the quantity of what you do for God and the quality of what you do for God. You see, it's not enough just to be busy for God. We got to be busy with a purpose. We have to make sure that we're given our all when we're doing something. When I'm ushering, I can't just be ushering. I have to be ushering with all my heart and making sure at that moment, I'm being the best usher I could ever be with the help of God. When I'm working with the children uh, in, 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 uh, in the compass kids, I have to make sure that not only am I working, but I have to be working with all of my heart there, giving all the children that belong to God and in that moment placed in my care that I am giving them the very best I can give them and not just going through the motion, you see. See, the full gospel teaches us That from the moment I embrace Christ as my savior to the moment he returns. In between that time and that gap, I need to be eagerly waiting for God. And I have to demonstrate that by working enthusiastically. You see, this is the part of the gospel that sometimes we forget. Because, listen, James said this in James chapter 2, verse 26. It just simply says that, so faith is dead without good works. In other words, if you profess to be a Christian, but you are not working for the Lord, you're not doing what God's called you to do, then your faith is dead. I am not saying that. God's word is declaring it. You see, remember, we are going to be judged Not just because our name is in the book of life, but we're going to be also judged by what we do while we're on this earth. Everything that we do, and may I add, don't do, is recorded by God. That's why Paul said, don't you know, realize, whatever you do for God is never useless? You, You think that just helping that precious little old lady across the street because God put that in your heart to do that, you know, that's... That's not a big deal. But there was an angel who said, "I see that." recording. You thought helping that family that didn't have much and you bought them a bag of groceries wasn't a big deal. But heaven opened up his book and said, "I see that. Everything we do for the glory of God is recorded. And God will judge us for that." And so, that's why the writer is exhorting us. That's why the Apostle Paul in Corinthians is exhorting us. Because in reality, if you're not working, then you're not waiting. Because I have discovered, if I'm not working for God, then I'm working for myself. I'm, I'm expending my time, my energy, my financial resources on building a better life for me here on the earth. That is always, 100% of the time, what distracts the people of God from working for God. It is n- not that you are never not working. You're always working. But you see, if you're not working for God, then you're not Waiting for God. I would also submit to you this. If you are not working for God, then you have not realized that you are not going to live forever. Because people who are caught up in this life think that this, gonna, this life lasts Forever. And so they're busy building their life. They're building their nest day. They're building their career. They have no time for anything for God because I'm, I'm so busy building this thing up because you see, I need to retire. Who says you want to retire? You don't know if your life might end today. None of us do. But yet, when we lose sight of the gospel of Christ, See, we, we hold on to the, a part of the component. The component says, Jesus died for me. I embrace Christ as my Savior. But that's only one component. That's not the full gospel of Christ. The full gospel is he did not die so that you can live the way you want to live. He died so that you could be busy doing the work that God has called you to do. I mean, didn't Jesus live that way? Yeah, he told the people, I have to work while there's day. I have to do what the fathers called me to do. In fact, at a very early age, right, what was happening when he was a young boy and and his parents went to Jerusalem and and there uh, they had to take care of some sacrifices and then afterwards they headed back home and and, and they thought that Jesus was among the caravan with them but after a few days they realized Jesus is not in the caravan. And they had to go back to Jerusalem and they searched all Jerusalem and they finally went into the temple and there's their son and and talking to some of the elders and leaders and and they said, son, what are you doing? We've been worried sick about you. And what was Jesus' response? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business in my father's house? In other words, this is why I came. Brothers and sisters, why do you think God saved you? Do you think God saved us just so that we can go to heaven? If that were the case, he'd save you and boom, that's the end of your life. Guaranteed you're in heaven. But no, God leaves us here for whatever season we have so that we can do the work that he's called us to do. We can touch the lives he wants us to touch. The evidence that we believe, the proof that we are truly Living with the holy expectation of the Lord's return is that we are busy about the master's business. Knowing that he can come at any moment, I want to find him, I want him to find me busy working. And I don't say that just as the pastor, I'm I'm talking about as a child of God. Because we're all called to work, not just in the church itself, although that's critical, if you're not engaged in some form of service in the church, then that means you're just sitting down and you want to receive. You want everybody to give to you and you don't want to give to anyone. And that's the case. I love you, but you need to hear the truth. Then you're not eagerly waiting. Because there's no one in the word of God that describes that God has called to do nothing. You are part of the body. You are part of this local assembly, and some of you are arm, some of you are fingers, some of you are eyes, some of you are ears. In other words, we all have a function within the body of Christ. And if you're visiting with from another church, I thank you for being here, but you need to be in your church, and you need to be there not just sitting, you need to be there working. Because can you imagine if every single one of us would give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord? what we could accomplish. Instead, we have 20% of the congregation working. That means 80% of us just say, hey, I'm just here for a good time. I'm just here for the ride. Let somebody else do some of the work. Now, I want to say this, uh, Pastor Jason, if you would come. Serving God is work. And I mean work. It's not going to be comfortable at times. It's going to be at times where your flesh, your body, your sinful nature is not going to want to participate. You're going to say, I'm tired. I want to break. I don't want to do this anymore. Let somebody else take a turn in doing all that. It comes with the turf. In fact, even Moses at one point went before God and said, God, I've had enough. What am I going to do with these people? Because, listen, the truth of the matter is, here's why it's also work. Sometimes people don't appreciate what you do. Oh, yeah. You know, the people that are the least appreciative are church people. I know that it's going to keep getting quiet in here, but my job this morning is to stir us up. The least appreciative people the most demanding people are church people you come into this building you expect the building to be clean you expect pastor jason and the worship team to have their act together you expect the media and the sound people and the ushers to serve you wait on you you expect the teachers in christian ed To take care of your children and if somebody misses the point or misses the mark somewhere along in there you are not happy you're angry you feel like they didn't do their job these precious people are here because they want to serve the Lord but you can't serve God unless you serve people. Yes, amen. And serving people can get messy sometimes. And as a result of that, you can feel unappreciative. Mm-hmm. You, you, like they don't, they don't appreciate me. So why should I do this if nobody takes notices, if somebody's got an attitude? But what did Paul say? Work enthusiastically as working for the Lord. I don't preach for your sake. I preach because it's what God wants me to do. I love you and I want to bless you and I want to help you. But I am not up here to gain your approval. I'm not doing this because I want you to like me, although you better. (laughs) I do it because I want God to be pleased with my life. And this is what he's called me to do. God's called them to sing. God's called them to play. God's called the media people to do what they do in media, the ushers to do what they do there, the Christian aid, We all have a role, a function. Do you know that there are precious people here that give themselves over to clean the bathrooms in between the services? When was the last time you thanked the people that clean? So, look, I appreciate what you do. I know it's for the Lord, but it also blesses me. When was the last time you thanked the people in Christian aid? who sacrifice sitting in the meeting so that they could teach your children and you could be comfortable here knowing your children are being taught God's word and there are no distractions for you. Let's ask them to thank them. These precious people that are behind me that every week faithfully come and do their very best to lead us to the place where we worship God. They need to be thanked. Or they don't look for the thank but they should be thanked nonetheless. And we need to then look at, am I playing my part? Am I fulfilling my role in what God has called us to do? So that when the Lord returns, my God, I can stand before him. And when those books are opened, not only is my name written in the book of life, but by the grace of God, there'll be things listed under my name, deeds, that the Spirit of God has strengthened me to do. That's why Paul said, you gotta be strong, immovable. You know why Paul said that? Here's why. In this day and age, where people are so in opposition, where there are so many things to discourage you from working for God, to give up, You'll say, I will not move. God has called me to this, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how people may not even appreciate me, it does not matter. God called me to do this. And therefore, I will not move from what God has called me to do. Why? Because everything that I do for God is recorded in his book, it's never useless to the glory of his name. Stand with. Me.